0: Hello and welcome to the Folk Music Podcast. My name is Anders, and in this episode, I'm speaking with Norwegian fiddler Matthias Tedens. Now, together with the band Gangar, Matthias has made a bit of a ruckus in the Norwegian folk scene recently. Uh, the band's irresistible blend of Norwegian folk tunes, old-school rock and roll, youthful energy, and unapologetic stage presence is um, definitely um, representing something new and fresh in our scene. Uh, and even though they've released their first EP only very recently, they managed to play an impressive number of gigs, uh, both inside and outside of the hardcore folk scene, so to speak. So uh, I'm very intrigued by this band, um, and I'm curious to see where they go in the future. So uh, I'm very happy that I got the opportunity to sit down with Matthias and record this conversation recently during the um, folk podcast folk music showcase event in Oslo uh, and uh, in this conversation we speak about the idea behind the band and how to combine rock and roll and folk music in a successful way uh, it's not an easy thing uh, Matthias shares some of his experiences when it comes to stage presence and showmanship which is obviously a very important part of uh, the Ganger package he even gives us a bit of an insight into the band's TikTok strategy. So, there should be something for everyone here. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Matthias Tedens from Gangar. Matthias Tedens, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Good to be here. So, we're at uh, the Folkleidem uh, Folk Music Showcase Festival. Mm. How are you enjoying it so far?
1: It's been really great. I love to uh, reconnect with so many people that we've met a couple times now from Norway and from around the world. And it's been a real pleasure to just kind of like keep building those relationships and, um, meet all our good old friends, both in like in the business and just in the music scene in general. So, yeah. uh, it's been a great time. I think last year may have, might've have had a little bit of Corona fears, but this year there's definitely a light and happy vibe around it I'm yeah, yeah, yeah enjoying
0: it yeah and your music isn't very corona friendly
1: no it's not it's not it is not
0: because <laughs> you're here with a folk rock project called Gangar that's correct um, and like I think I think I heard that might be might have been one of your first concerts when you like did a uh, warm-up uh, thing for um, Hovendroven yeah right there in mm. this venue maybe a year and a half ago or something yes would that probably. be your first
1: uh, a, a gig? second gig yeah right. actually um, yeah, we played at a small local festival called Efemia Dagina in Gamlebyen. In the beginning of August and then end of September last year, we did warm-up for our heroes, over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was quite funny, like, because you have the same lineup as well, like the same mm. instruments. Yeah. So it's, it's
0: almost like seeing, like, a younger version of them, <laughs> in a way.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, they actually started with trumpet, and we didn't go for that. Yeah. Of, you know, ear damage and all that.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, well... <laughs> <laughs> i hope you're wearing airplugs. products what? I, 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 Yeah, exactly yeah. i saw your gig last night as well mm-hmm. uh, and i really enjoyed it it's, uh, it's a lot you. of fun yeah um we're also having a lot of fun yeah now. i mean either you're having fun or you're good actors like <laughs> <laughs> so but I, I'm, I'm very fascinated by like folk rock as like a thing mm. uh, so i'd like to hear like your thoughts about it now that you've been in the business, so to speak, for a little while. Yeah. But but before we go into that, could you just maybe give us uh, a quick introduction to you as a musician? Like, how did you first get into folk music, and mm. how did you end up playing, like, rock and roll?
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. So, um, my name is uh, Matthias Tedens, and I'm from Oslo, Norway. So, I'm from the town, which means that I have access to a lot of different dance groups and folk, folk uh, kind of... Places where you could play folk music from different areas, you're not confined to one area. So I grew up dancing. So in Norway it's, it's all about like areas?
0: Yeah. Like you usually play the music from the area mm-hmm. that you grew up or your your family history or whatever?
1: Yeah. Uh, and my family history is from Germany and America. So I have like, I'm not committed to any one area.
0: No. But, but your parents are into folk music?
1: Yes. Yes they are. Uh, so that's kind of how I started with dancing when I was about four and uh, I kept doing that for a long time and then I still dance a lot but more just for fun now uh, and then I started playing violin at around 9 and I started with folk music I didn't like do classical first and then find no. out you know so I was folk music from the start and then I did kind of branch into a little Suzuki just to kind of like clean up my technique played with the orchestra just continue to kind of like play. try to play better you okay know? yeah. but it was always like folk music was the focus um, probably from when I was, like, 15 until I was, uh, I guess, 20, actually. I focused mainly on American old-time music. Yeah, because
0: that's how I first discovered you, like... Yeah,
1: yeah, that was kind of... That was where I was active first. So I was a old-time fiddler long before I was a folk rocker. Yeah. <laughs> but I kept those... I kept that going for a while, but then I started at Enum Hall, um, the music conservatory in Oslo, and um, then I just kind of, like, Delved back into the Norwegian stuff and just kind of didn't really come out from that again. And the pandemic also confined me a little bit to Norwegian music, but um, last summer I actually made it to the U.S. for and taught at an old-time music camp in All right. uh, in um, North Carolina, which was great and caught up with a lot of friends. And, you know, the, the music's very. Uh, I love the music still, you know, and also we'll be playing at Folk Alliance in Kansas. In February, and then I'll be able to see some of my old-time friends again. Yeah, I'm really excited, exap- really yeah. happy about that. Can you imagine? Yeah. As I told you, like I'm a big old-time fan. Yeah. Although I don't
0: know too much about, mm. like I'm familiar with the big names like Bruce Molsky and and Brittany Hayes and yeah and these people. But I'd love sure. to like dig deeper at some point.
1: Yeah, definitely. And
0: and I, and, I, and as I told, you, like I have a dream of learning that to play the clawhammer banjo. Mm. which you have to teach me someday. Yeah,
1: I will. Sure, <laughs> definitely. But like
0: uh after yeah like you you started the the conservator as you said like what, what kind of traditions or what kind of music inside the Norwegian tradition did you focus on
1: yeah um so when i first started i was very into uh music from setestal mm-hmm. and uh the hardanger fiddle yeah hardanger fiddle uh, territory and also on the va- regular violin i loved playing Gammelpols from rørros okay so that was kind of like my things and then at some point the steinar ofstald had a, a really good seminar on tonality and played a recording of Haukbuen. And then I was like, I didn't look back. And then the country shut down, so I was sitting on my couch (laughs) upstairs at home just learning Hauk tunes every day for like, the lockdown. And that's how I kind of ended up with Telemark. Um, And I still do mostly that. I also have played a lot from Valdres, but, um, yeah, mostly Telemark. Mm -hmm. And, like, as I said, like, I first
0: recognized your name from uh, you as an all-time musician. Mm. And then all of a sudden, like, I heard about this, like, folk rock band who's supposed to, like, do a split gig with Droven, And, like, I always thought... I even used to think Droven was a bit, meh, like, cheesy or whatever. (laughs) Because I'd only heard, like, bits and pieces here and there. And, like, all my previous encounters with so-called folk rock had been, like, mixed. Like, me personally speaking. Because... It's, it's just so easy for the whole thing to get cheesy but then I actually experienced Droven live at the concert and like it's, it's and I realized it's it's not cheesy it's just it's fun yes that's when it works anyway for me like I find if folk rock gets too pretentious or, uh, or um, maybe that's the wrong word or, or like too serious oh yeah then then th- that can be a problem like because it's a bit silly, in it, in the core, it's a bit silly.
1: Yes, and we we have a lot of fun with what we do, even though we take it extremely seriously, and like we we take pride in our hard work, and like the music is focused. We want to make good music, but however, there's just no way you can't giggle at the fact that you're <laughs> playing gent riffs over a silly Masuka. little waltz. You know, <laughs> there's there's just no way that isn't funny. So as soon as people are like. I play folk rock, and like, headbanging over a little, (laughs) over a Rheinlander. I mean, come on, it's fun, it's funny. Like, (laughs) this is not supposed to happen, but it happens, and it's fun. Like, drop the... But how did you come
0: up with the idea? Like, how did the band get started?
1: Um, well, so obviously Hovindroven was an inspiration. I saw them for the first time in Festival in 2019, but I think it was very subconscious, because...
0: Those who aren't familiar with that band, like who, yeah. Are who in the room? Yeah,
1: Swedish uh, folk rock legends who really toured the world. Um, and they've been active since the 90s. And uh, yeah, they just celebrated their 30th anniversary. Great guys, great friends. Their um, producer, now their fiddle player, is actually the producer of our EP coming yeah. up. All right, cool. And uh, yeah, no, they're good friends. Very nice people. And they're great musicians. We saw them at Ulsa Festival in 2019. It was the coolest thing I've ever seen. So uh, I loved that, but I didn't think about it too much. I just loved it. And uh, I think probably half a year later, we were supposed to plan our student folk music festival called Jesplot mm-hmm. uh, in Oslo. And uh, the teacher recommended, why don't you guys like do a concert where you just put together crazy constellations and play folk music, but just like in different contexts and just take it so far out of the box as you can and make your heart anger fiddle uh, teachers uh, hair stand up on his neck and okay. all. It's just like go completely crazy and I think probably subconsciously it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a conscious I like oh I don't want I want to make hoven druven 2.0 that's no not, it wasn't I asked my closest friends who played music and I knew we were rocking musicians and it it kind of fell into place but you know, I probably wouldn't have asked a saxophone player if I hadn't heard. That's not that it worked. It was a possibility, but mm. um, so they it, had, it kind of just kind of fell together beautifully, and yeah. uh, it was great, the way that came together. Because these were all really close friends of mine. Like, I knew them really well, but they didn't know each other that well. Not oh, okay. all of them, at least. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, the all you could kind of watch all these friendships kind of creating around you, because you know everyone, but they are yeah. all trying to figure yeah, it out. Nice, yeah. So mm-hmm. it was a great process. But
0: did any of the other guys have any, like, Do you know anything about folk music prior to this project?
1: Um, I would say very little, to be honest. Because, uh, it's kind of hard to know what folk music is, in a way, because, like... Or traditional music? Yeah, I mean, it's music of the people, but uh, it's hard to describe it without, like, kind of seeing it and kind of being there. And a lot of the folk music scene that we operate in mm-hmm. is very invisible to the <laughs> common eye. You know, it happens kind of like you need to know, and it's once kind of an you um, know,
0: almost ob- 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 like an underground, uh, yeah. uh, kind of vibe to it.
1: That's right. Once you know, then you know. Then yeah. if you know, you can dance every night of the week and mm. all that. But um, they didn't know uh, much about it at all, so it was interesting to kind of like those first rehearsals where we're just trying to pick up the chords and find out what the form of this piece was or whatever yeah. we we're working on. It was really interesting, and now that like over one year is, the growth is amazing and. Now they all love going to like folk music parties and mm. try to dance, and uh, they're getting pretty good at dancing too. So, um, right. <laughs> yeah, it's it's they they didn't they they're definitely invested in it, and I love that. It's genuine like genuine interest, and uh, yeah, their uh, curiosity. So I appreciate that. You know, it means a lot to me. Yeah, kind of me showing them the world I grew up in, and them appreciating it is awesome. So yeah, yeah. Cool. But did you have, like, did you listen to a lot to
0: rock music before starting this project?
1: Um, I've not never really been like a super rock head. Um, I grew up, I mean, listening to, you know, The Beatles, and then Michael Jackson, and <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, Jimi Hendrix a lot, uh, The Police, Sting, um, and I listen to kind of like different stuff, lots of The Police. Um, I also had an ACDC phase just a couple of years back, like, yeah. uh, like in high yeah, school. Yeah, everyone has. Oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> and then, so, like, I like rock and roll, but I, I mean, I didn't really, like, invest in it. I thought a lot of it was kind of, like, cheesy. Like, a lot of the newer rock, I think, is kind of, like, eh. I like the ACDC kind of, like, gritty, just, like, straightforward. Yeah, yeah, like, We'll play three chords, but we'll play them really good. Definitely, I like ACDC, but I kind of have to step a little bit out of my comfort zone to, like, pick up these ideas or kind of, like, process these ideas that come in. Because it is so far out there, like, pretty heavy metal stuff and, like, yeah, very prog. Yeah, the, some of the stuff you're doing, like uh, like, fairly
0: heavy... Influences like like some of the riffs and like the really low uh, low notes and uh, <laughs> it's almost like I don't know like it's a it's a bit of a, it's a bit 80s rock in there and, and mm-hmm. also a bit like almost Meshuggah-ish or oh, like yes. like very like rhythmically uh, yes <laughs> which is, yeah it's yeah, yeah. really
1: fun. It is I mean, <laughs> I mean, so our main inspirations uh, we write in our bio Our bio is hovendruven mm. the a c d c and mm-hmm. Meshuga. okay, <laughs> so we have like we have the sort of rock and chords, and we have the concept of Hovendruven, yeah, just as a foundation, it's the same concept, and then we have the rhythmical and kind of like kind of maybe more modern sound of Meshuga. Mm-hmm. so it's a it's an interesting combination, but we really want to keep our show fun and friendly, you know, yeah. so like. Because Even though the, we do super heavy riffs and like super mean chords, we still want to have a smile on our face and yeah. have it be fun music, not like, ooh, these guys love yeah. death, you yeah, know? Yeah, they, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Because, uh, yeah, playing this kind of music, it always, it kind of, uh, it's all about how you present it mm. on stage, mm-hmm. which I suppose. M- must have been a learning curve for you guys like i can just imagine like coming from playing hardanger fiddle tunes and that kind of environment and then all of a sudden you're supposed to be like a rock star or whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> i think that learning curve was kind of like very steep in a way that but i don't think i was i never stood still during a concert like i was always up there of course, of course, I've like learned a lot of things on the way, but the energy has always been high. It's just kind of like, how do you convey that energy? How do you communicate with an audience what you want to achieve? So probably become more mature, but I think there was a lot of stage presence that was kind of bottled up. That once oh, yeah. I had the chance, it just like boom, yeah. <laughs> you know, so. A lot of hard-hanger fiddle is sitting alone with your fiddle and, you know.
0: Yeah, and I mean, if the, the audience, if you, if they don't connect, you can always just stay in your little world and, yeah, yeah. and you're safe. Like, you're safe. But, like, when you're putting yourself out there like that, like, it can, I mean, I couldn't do it, but... Uh, I think anyone can <laughs> do it.
1: <laughs> but, yeah, I think just being able to convey that you're not, afraid of making a fool of yourself you're not taking yourself seriously yeah you're having or of course i take myself seriously and we all do but just to show that we're here to have fun we're here to give you guys a good time and we're not here to be mr cool and you know like, no. look at look at us it's more about just sharing a party and yeah yeah <laughs> But I mean, of course, it's easier said than done, and uh, I think a lot of my stage presence comes from watching rap concerts. Okay. Yeah, so I've been to tons of rap concerts, and there you have one guy by themselves. Mm. Oh, you must know, it's be terrifying, like oh uh, yeah, for thousands guys, of people. I'm it's so, so
0: almost like a stand up comedy.
1: Oh, oh yeah, sure. You need to you need to have the timing of stand up comedians, and yeah. some of my teachers have recommended like oh you should talk to a stand up comedian, you know, just to yeah. perfect your show or talk mm. to a talk to a, um uh, what do you call a Director or something, you know?
0: Yeah, like a, yeah, mm-hmm. choreographer almost. Like.
1: Yeah, definitely. But
0: uh, is that is is it something you work on together, like in the band, like yeah, like on stage, or obviously, I can see that you have <laughs> some things like worked out.
1: Yeah. Um. So I think, but before ulsa Festival, we played there just a couple of weeks back, and um. Yeah, then we had a whole rehearsal dedicated to choreography. Just like, how do we act on stage? To kind of like make a point out of our music, music. you know, like so if we have something that we play that we think is super cool Mm -hmm. and that we know is super cool and it sometimes gets a great reaction and sometimes doesn't get a reaction at all, why is that happening Mm. if we're playing just well? Well, probably because we're acting a certain way on stage. If we're like, as soon as we get to like the climax of a musical piece. And we're just like, whew, ah, oh, nice. Oh, good. We're there. Yeah, Probably losing a bunch of people and everyone else breathes out. But like if you kind of like, bam, like at the top and yeah. if we coordinate headbanging and stuff like that, then you really are kind of like making it easy for the audience to latch onto the music, latch onto the dancing. I, So we want to keep working at it, but yeah, we don't want to force it either. You know, it has to be natural, but we do have some things that we'll hang on to and try to do. Yeah. like. On time with the music,
0: and yeah, you've also have been playing a good few shows now this last this, this last year. Yeah, uh, so you, uh, yeah, I imagine you have a you had some opportunities to like test out different things, like what works and what doesn't work.
1: Yeah, as well, we had some kind of like now. And every gig is important, of course, but like there's some kind of like. Concerts where you have your shoulders, are lo- you're a little more relaxed in a way. It's not like it. it's not a showcase situation, it's not like a, a mega festival of thousands of people. Yeah, you can afford to like take some risks. Yeah, sure. We could we can test different set lists. So last summer, um, or this summer, I guess, or summer 2022, yeah. <laughs> we played a few gigs during the start of the summer and tested a couple different set lists so that when we got to July and started traveling internationally. Then we had our set, and we knew it so well, and we just drove through, it, and it worked really well. That was a problem once we started like playing again this fall. Like, let's change the set list, and yeah. everyone was just like, ah, you know, you're yeah. kind of following the wrong cues, and yeah, uh, exactly, yeah, because the
0: set list is probably very important in yes. in, in in those kinds of gigs. Like,
1: that. those are like some of the more heated discussions we'll have. Yeah. Like, which song should we open with? Yeah, and uh it's really interesting what's, because... What's
0: your strategy for, like, an opening song? Do you want, like... Don't you hit them hard right out of the gates? Or? Well,
1: that depends. That's the question. Like, if you're playing late at night and you have had a super awesome band playing ahead of you and they're ready to go, there's, like, the band before you is really cool, they've danced, they're having a party, but now they're ready to take it up a notch. Mm. Probably start with a hard hitter and just hit them in the face. Yeah. But if, like... If you're playing at a festival where maybe the previous concert was seated or something, it was a calmer act. People mm. are not ready to party yet. People need to be invited up. You might want to start yeah. with something a little more yeah, a friendly. Point, but it's really difficult. And, I mean, we uh, ideally, we'd have multiple set lists for multiple occasions. Like, okay, we're playing at a metal festival. Boom. Playing at a rock festival, folk festival, age groups, you know. Uh, but we'll, we try to kind of, like, figure out as we go. Uh-huh. And,
0: like, I find it interesting that you have managed to play so many gigs without releasing an album yet. Mm. Because uh, at the time of this uh, episode airing, you will have released your, you've just released your first EP. Yeah, correct. Um, But, like, that's not usually how we do it in the folk scene anyway. Like, it's all about, like, recording something Mm. and then using that as... Uh usually you don't make any money out of that either. Like no, it's no. usually some this project to get the gigs. Yeah. It's a business card. Right? Yeah. But the problem is that sometimes you get so eager to get that album down so you can go touring that maybe the music would have uh been a bit better if you'd actually spent some more time playing in live before you went into the studio mm.
1: like. Definitely. Um I think but it's, then a, it's dis- a chicken and egg situation. Yeah, like. It's definitely a discussion. Um we were so fresh and young, like we still are, obviously. But like, how when old are you guys? We're, uh, the we're the youngest is born and yeah, that's so he's turning twenty one. Oldest is twenty five. So we're a group of young boys. Yeah, next <laughs> um, yeah. When we first started, I mean, like the only thing we'd hear, <laughs> you know, was like. Ah, oh, you guys are young. Uh, <laughs> you guys need to grow a little bit. Yeah. Grow a little bit. Grow a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I might have said something like that. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure everyone did, <laughs> and it was true. And but luckily, there was such a need for um, this kind of music. People love this kind of music. Apparently, like Norwegian folk festivals need someone to play. Yeah, late because at night. there's
0: there's hardly any other like folk, no. like folk party acts. Like if you go to the Celtic scene, like it's super common. You yeah. have like tons and tons of bands who like do like party sets based on the celtic music tradition yeah Uh, but in norway they're they're basically like one or two maybe
1: yeah and uh, i mean i would say that we're definitely the heaviest i think you know um there are different possibilities there are a bunch of good like late night bands but um anyway there was a need for us and what we did So we ended up playing quite a bit, which was great. And that way we could just like really breathe and just play. But at some point, we realized that we should be on Spotify in some format because there's too many people who are asking about our music and just like really waiting to hear something. And we'd probably lose fan base or just like for people who listen to us. Fan base is the wrong word, but listeners. Like we'd lose listeners if we didn't have. have (laughs) <laughs> Fan base. <laughs> wow, they're good friends. <laughs> but uh we'd lose listeners if we didn't have something out. So we decided to go ahead with this E P uh called Tere dancer or Tree Dances. Mm-hmm. Or maybe th- because it's funny because uh, there's three tunes, they're all dance tunes, mm-hmm. and our tree dance, you know, Tere dancer. Oh, yeah, exactly, so it's a play yeah. on words. It's really stupid. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so we released that. Um basically because we love those uh, tunes we felt ready to give, release them and um, want to buy ourselves more time for the album yeah <laughs> so like we're still waiting with that because we want it, want it to be good once it comes out it's like we don't want to s- go into the studio spend a bunch of money and then come out of it with regrets like ah oh, I wish I could have another chance to record that song yeah. or something like that you yeah. know so we'll take our time with that um I'm really excited about that process because um, Tuval Sivertsson is going to produce, so oh, she'll be right. along in the studio. I can't wait for that. Um, it's also interesting to make an album like that to kind of have this focus on the entire project, like from start to finish, instead of every song from start to finish. Because yeah. with our EP, with only three tracks, and two of them singles, every single one of those tunes has to stand by themselves and be like a full product. You know, it has to have the whole thing, dynamics mm. and all that, you know. yeah, And... So I think we did a pretty good good job with that with those three tunes. They are good by themselves and they're probably good together too. But with an album it's going to be different we're like oh we have this process, one, at yeah. 10 sure, in yeah. energy and then we'll go down, then we'll go up and we won't go that far down. I can promise you that. <laughs> yeah. But we will have to kind of like give a full project, you know, and it'll be interesting. I look forward to it.
0: Yeah. No, brilliant. Um I'm I'm curious like obviously you don't know the, the answer to this question right uh, yet either but like how far this music could travel outside the like the hardcore folk music community because i mean obviously the people here love you guys because it's so fun to see our music done in a like more uh, in a different way like but like it seems to me that you have had the opportunity to play a bit outside the the, the super niche folk circle yeah how do people respond so far to to the music
1: Oh my gosh! I, it's interesting because we've only gotten great responses to be honest. Um, we, I mean, of course some some gigs are better than others, but like we've played student festivals, outside of the folk scene and kind of gotten great feedback, you know. So we we played at like a festival in Upps called the Halflaske Festival, student festival, new concept for up and coming artists. Mm-hmm. And they had, like, up-and-coming rappers and, like, sort of, like, Russo music and punk and all that. And they had folk rock. Mm-hmm. And we were the only artists there with no release music. Like, we were just, like, not on Spotify. Yeah. And people still showed up, and they made a podcast afterwards, and I think our band was probably the most mentioned artist there, which okay. was really cool. So people, people like us outside because we... I mean, the folk music is unique, but it can be understood kind of hard to understand. So people kind of, we feel invited into it because it's so recognizable. We, we use these elements that they know and that they love, you know, like rock and roll yeah. and pop music and just stuff that's easy to dance to. So you kind of spoon feed them folk music yeah, and they, yeah, it's they love it. And it's, it doesn't necessarily <laughs> have to be like, we're not here to like in, necessarily invite more people into the folk music scene. We'd be happy to, but just just spreading fun music, and um, so far it's been good. We also played Pride Festival with um, Tuvas Blue Club, mm-hmm. and that was a success for a varied audience. Uh, we're working at various gigs outside of the folk scene. I mean, we really want to make it outside of the folk music scene because the folk music scene is a great home base but it's limited it's not huge it's especially not in Norway there are lots of world music festivals and folk festivals around the world and I'd love to play at and that we'd all love to travel to but there's also big chances for us in rock and roll and metal and pop and all those like where we feel like we could fit in there and we'd love to yeah make that happen because
0: i mean sometimes it can feel like a challenge if you feel like your banner act kind of falls in between different chairs like i've been involved in projects that are like not jazzy enough for the jazz festivals but it's not folk enough for the folk festivals and so then like where do you play but it's also possible to see the flip side as well Mm. like maybe you fit in both places if you if it's just uh presented correctly i don't know
1: I don't really know about all the gigs that we haven't gotten in a way, but I do know that we have gotten some some, some gigs and I think we'll continue to get some more, like it seems like the folk scene is definitely warming up to us, like we're getting more and more like...
0: Yeah, I'm excited to see it for next summer, like how that will work out for you guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's uh, good Norwegian folk festivals that are interested in having a club evening, you know, and it's great, great for us, we'd love to. Yeah. So we we the folk music scene is great. They're, you don't get better dancers, at least. No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not often you see like people dancing ganga and the masuka <laughs> with like <laughs> heavy beats like that. It's it's something special about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I really like I, I really like bands and artists where I can s- experience something I haven't experienced before. Hmm. Uh. So yeah, I think you're definitely onto something there. Like yeah. Uh, so, uh, how do you guys find uh, this festival so far?
1: It's great. Uh, it's really good to meet all these awesome musicians and people from the industry again. We met them in Göteborg, some of them at Nordic Volkleins. Met you there. Yeah. It's and a bunch of the same people we meet on these uh, yeah. events. We also met a lot of them at Womex in Portugal. Yeah, yeah so you were there this yeah, year. Yeah, ah, I so. went there with uh, the saxophone player Oscar. And we didn't have a showcase or anything, but we just kind of checked yeah, the vibe, own, you know. Uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. H- how, how'd you like that?
1: Oh, it's intense and huge, but I like that kind of stuff. I think it's interesting. I love connecting with... Did you have a
0: strategy of coming in, like what you who you would like to try to talk to and get to know? Or did you just show up and go for it?
1: Um, There's definitely people that I had emailed with mm-hmm. that I wanted to meet face to face and kind of, you know, have a little chat. We work that out and we'll probably land some gigs through uh through those connections. Um but also just kind of like getting a feel for the scene, really connecting with Norwegians was important because mm-hmm. like you travel abroad to meet Norwegians. That's a like typical Norwegian thing to do. Like they'll go to Italy and uh, like they'll meet the other Norwegians yeah, there that also yeah, have yeah, their all, summer house. Yeah, all you of a sudden they'll be best friends like yeah. <laughs> oh well, yeah <laughs> and then they, they, they we need to meet up when we are back in yeah. Norway and you never see no, each other but then next not. summer no, like no. hey yeah. <laughs> so no definitely got closer with the Norwegian delegation um yeah it was good it was good fun I look forward to being back we'll definitely go back yeah hmm yeah it's it's, it's great that
0: like the whole world of uh, world music or folk music or ethnic music or color where, like it's becoming more and more of a big family like yeah Uh, I really like that aspect of it Um, Mm. and that more people outside Scandinavia get to learn about our
1: music as well. Yeah. There's definitely interest. We just need to get out there. It seems like it. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Um. I I see see a lot of Americans and Japanese people on Instagram playing Scandinavian music these days.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Must be getting around. Yeah, there's a, a guy I met in Los Angeles from Shanghai. No, from Singapore. Oh I'm I'm sorry. From Singapore and he just asked me like, hey, my friend wants to start playing the heart anger, where oh, really can he yeah? get one? I'm like Oh gosh. Yeah. In
0: Singapore, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you might want to check food and put heart in <laughs> and see who be able to ship it. Uh oh, so
0: No, but that's yeah, that's really beautiful. Yeah. So um yeah. I uh, know you are off to play the cup like yeah, Very soon so I won't keep you all night or, mm-hmm. or all day rather. yeah <laughs> <laughs> the day's all in the beginning, like
1: yeah, this is gonna be a long one um, but do you have more gigs this evening or I'm playing at uh ten uh I'm twenty past midnight, that's why I'm playing for dance, but oh. that's just me solo, so oh, okay,. Yeah,
0: so. No more with the
1: band. Nothing more with the band for now. Next weekend uh, we are playing however though. But that will be... Wait. Three so, days ago. Three days ago. <laughs> exactly. Because, because we're
0: in the future now. We're right? in the
1: future. Yeah. Our release concert was at was Club yeah. and it was a How huge was it? success. <laughs> man. I loved it. Oh wow. I staged it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah. yeah. That, that That's the
1: one thing I kind of missed from yesterday's show though. That it's interesting because people like to have that like they've quit with social distancing, but they do keep one meter away from the stage. There's always like this one meter in front of the audience at the stage. And I can't guarantee that I can jump that far. No. I need to get <laughs> bouncy shoes. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to,
0: to seeing you crowd surf. Oh my gosh, it'll be good. <laughs> okay, Matthias, thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. Um, so obviously check out your new EP. Yeah, um, check it out, and uh, hopefully the album will be out in not too long.
1: Yeah, it will be. It's coming. Brilliant. Yeah, All and right. uh, follow us on Instagram and you know TikTok and. Are uh, oh, you on TikTok? Absolutely. We oh, we definitely. we're nailing TikTok. Really? Yeah, we're getting tons of views. Really? It's because we just post dad jokes.
0: Do you have any like like I really struggle with TikTok. I haven't figured it out. Like what do you have any advice?
1: Um, find something, maybe slightly, uh, just something unique, but that is a part of your pet personality. Like, we tell so many bad jokes. So, our thing was just like, our idea for TikTok was like, fuck, we have to get on TikTok. Mm -hmm. But, how do we do that? Well, okay, every time someone says a bad joke, someone flips up a camera and we repeat that joke and film it. Okay. And uh, so, we post jokes and... One of them even got fourteen thousand views. Oh really? And we we're planning it must be uh, a good joke. Too. Oh no, it wasn't. It was horrible. <laughs> it was absolutely horrible. But um, is that the only thing you do? Like, so it's, yeah, well, we'll also post some music stuff and like let people know when there's releases. But they don't get that many views. No, But hopefully, maybe a couple of people get interested in, in our music. But uh, mostly the jokes. We've also got a great, uh, I guess, Christmas calendar coming up with Christmas jokes (laughs) all month. (laughs) So (laughs) don't watch that for your own good. It's horrible. (laughs) Really bad stuff. So good luck with uh, finding something.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think my problem is, like, does it have to be, like, funny? That's my problem. That's basically what you said. Like, you get the most views from the jokes. Yeah, Less from the music.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I think posting music is kind of like, unless you're, like, super... You see, people, musicians blowing up on TikTok do like these virtuos fifteen second things, you know, and like some people like to do that. I don't think that's necessarily the most fun thing in the world. Just play fifteen second clips, but I guess everyone has their own preference. Um, I
0: think the problem. My problem is that I don't. I don't really like the idea, the concept of like you have to condense everything down to the shortest. Like you have to make everything sensational, or or
1: pandering to yeah, the shortening uh, uh, attention span of the young generation. Yeah,
0: yeah. So it's it's great that people still enjoy live concerts anyway. So that, yeah, that's that's the big that that that's a bright spot. Like absolutely, people still have the attention span live
1: when yeah. it happens. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, uh, it's. Uh it's good to see that again uh we were lucky with the timing of the covid pandemic to be honest because for our band at least i mean it was horrible stuff but we had we started our band like in the fall of 2020 which was like when it was locked down so we Kind of like had time to find repertoire and like work at it when we were allowed to hang together five people that worked out perfectly because there were five people in the band yeah so yeah. <laughs> we'd get together and rehearse and then finally when it opened up again we were ready with a live show and we kind of were prepared and knew what we were doing yeah so, yeah looking forward to the next pandemic yeah yeah well yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited secretly i am oh my i there's some things i miss about it oh that's a lot i miss about it oh. Okay, maybe you shouldn't... Let's... Uh... <laughs> All
0: right, enjoy the, rest of the weekend. I'll see you around. See you in the bar. Yeah,
1: definitely. <laughs> I'm off there right now. Okay, take care. <laughs> you too.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Folk Music Podcast. The new EP by Ganger is out now, so I recommend you uh, go on the internet and check it out. Uh, it might just get you dancing. So this was the second last episode this season. We have one more um, to go before we take a bit of a Christmas break. But we've already started to plan the, um, the upcoming spring season. So uh, if you have uh, ideas for guests or topics, uh, we would be very grateful if you sent them our way at at gmail.com or you can find us on social media. So that's all for this week. Uh, Follow us on social media, help us out on Patreon, and uh, I'll see you back here next week for the last episode of uh, this season of the Folk Music Podcast. Bye-bye.